In this episode, we're going to recap some of our previous shows, answer a few follow-up questions we've received, talk about some changes and things going on in the show, and also give some shout-outs to people that follow the episodes around the world. We will also discuss some possibilities we're looking forward to in the next year or so, exploring the option of opening up a training facility and training school in the United States for all things gray man, as well as several other categories and areas of training that may be of interest to many people. We'll discuss all that and more right here on gray man hiding in plain sight. This is episode 34 where we discuss the gray man concept. I am your host and today we're going to do some recap, do some shout outs, cover some stats on the show that I thought might be of interest as I did it once before. Been uh, a good go so far and we're enjoying this and everybody else that's listening seems to be enjoying it. The show's grown quite a bit, especially on the podcast. Definitely want to give some shout outs. So we have listeners around the world, United States, United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, Sweden, Latvia, Germany, Switzerland, the Netherlands, Ireland, India, Norway, Belgium, Malaysia, South Africa, Iran, for my listeners in Iran, you're not going to win just by listening to this podcast. Kuwait, shout out to the soldiers in Kuwait to listen to this show. New Zealand, Singapore, Sri Lanka, Bulgaria, Italy, the Philippines, Romania, Brazil, United Arab Emirates. Indonesia, Afghanistan, shout out to all our service members there, Spain, Puerto Rico, France, Australia, the Czech Republic, Guam, Serbia, Hong Kong, good luck in the fight there, Hong Kong, Argentina, Finland, El Salvador, Mexico, Iraq, another shout out to our service members as well as Kenya, Denmark, and Slovakia. Right now, the majority of the listeners are pretty much split between Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and the remaining 30 or so percent are listening on multiple platforms, which we will discuss here in a minute. We are almost at 3,000 followers on Facebook, and I think I've gained maybe 100 or so on Twitter. Not a lot of Twitter listeners. That's a growing account. I used it mainly for research. It's one of my Twitter accounts I use to follow leaders and news agencies around the world to get news. It's one of the places I get news, which I will be doing an episode in the future discussing how I find my information beyond just news when we do another episode on open source research. Now, if you're looking for a better platform, assuming you don't like the one you're on or you want to know where we're at, I got a list here. There's two that I missed, and there's several places now that this show is being sent to for podcast platforms. Part of what Anchor does is they send you out to several platforms, and it's expanded beyond that to several platforms I've never even heard of. But of course, it's on Anchor. We know that it's where it started from, and one of the big ones they connect you to right away is Spotify, where we have a lot of people listening. There's also apps known as Podbay, Radio Public, Pop Paradise, Listens, built L-Y-S-T-N, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Listen Notes, Pocket Casts, and we are also now on Pandora. So if you've started listening to this show on an app and you listen to Pandora or Spotify and that's where you'd prefer to go, then definitely go check those out. You can find the show there. Now, if you listen to this and don't like the format you're using, if you don't like the app or the program, my suggestion is to try pocket casts, pocket as in your front pocket, cast as in throwing a fishing line out there in the water, C-A-S-T-S, one word. It's on both Android and iPhone platforms. It doesn't have some of the features the other ones have, like your ability to leave comments or give it a thumbs up or those types of things, but it's one of the easiest ones to use. 
you can just type in Gray Man or the whole show name. It'll come up. Once it comes up and you open it, hit subscribe. And then there's a section there that just says podcast. And every time you want to find it, you can just hit podcast. You can also go in the settings and like most of them and be notified of when you have a new show there. I find that to be easier to use. It's an app that I use to listen to podcasts all the time. I do use Apple Podcasts on occasion because I have some Apple products. I don't really use Anchor myself. I just use it for the show. I've just never really been on it. And I also found out Anchor has some limitations and frustration for people. Having the app now as a platform to podcast from, if I get on my phone, my tablet, or my computer, it's completely different. There's more options every level you go. So on the phone, one thing I learned between an iPhone and an Android user on Anchor is you can go in and favorite a show, but it's hard to find your favorite lists. And so when Luke ran into that issue, I put him on Pocket Cast. So if you want to check one out, check that out. If you like the one you're on, then just definitely stay there. I did discover that as I went through and was identifying these programs, websites, and apps, that a lot of them have you the option to go in and claim it as your own. I'm working on trying to do that. I see some of them allow comments for the show. Two I found I wanted to mention was from a guy named Greg. This is on the Podbean and he left us a couple comments a while back. One was just a simple thank you for the Memorial Day message. And I was glad that uh, there's a lot of people out there that like that and how it was delivered and understood it. Also, he mentioned one on episode 24 about civil unrest in America, my thoughts on its potential. He said it was a great episode, perfect talking points for bringing up with family and friends when explaining how to be situationally aware for every day. That is a wonderful endorsement. I wanted to say thank you for that, Greg. And if you have any questions or ideas for the show, please, Throw a comment up there or link right over to Facebook in the show notes or Twitter and send me a message. You can also find my email on uh, Facebook. Bringing that up, I want to point out a little change that I have to update. Kind of screwed it up a little bit. So for the longest time, when you went to say my Facebook, right below the banner, not my photo, but the banner on the lower right was a blue button that said uh, email. You could click that and send me an email. If you want my email address now, that's not there. You're going to have to go to the about section of the page and then you'll see my email down there. It's a Proton Mail account. I replaced that with a shop button. I created an Amazon storefront. Now, of course, yes, if enough things are sell, I could probably make a little bit of money. It's unlikely that I'll get that kind of volume. But I put that up there because the questions were asked, especially when we talk about the survival stuff in previous episode and then some of the books and things I've done. As I made, I think I have five or six sections up there. So the mistake I made was I shared that with everybody and then thank you to all the people that commented and said, basically you said you can't see nothing, it's not active. I didn't realize that it takes about a week for Amazon to approve that and open it up, so I'm still waiting, so I took that post down. I just see what's in there, I didn't realize all you guys see was, you know, nothing. So that's my bad, but in there, using Luke's help, I put in a bunch of stuff and the things we put in there are stuff that we've used, that we know is good. And a few things that we've had in the past. And there's a couple things that we'd like to get that we know are good. Now, there's plenty of other good things, good items, good books. There's plenty out there, but we're trying to stick with the volume of information that we know and have used. So there's one section that's books. It's mainly gray man books. A lot of things on intelligence, trade craft. There's some written by former case officers or intelligence officers in the community, some military books that are really great reads. And I think you'll find that enjoyable. There's like 70 books in there to choose from. Some of those are more academic based. They're books that would be used in institutions and are quite pricey. 
just so you're aware the prices do show if you don't see a price it's because the book's currently out of stock but you can find those books but most of the books are under 25 dollars. some are very cheap i have read almost every book in there there's only three or four that i don't even own and there's probably another half dozen i own i haven't read yet that's in my to-do list of reading some of the other things we have in there because of previous questions especially on the episode about escape and evasion is one is on survival where we put in uh, survival stuff that we have used and endorse we kept that very small and when it came to buying products we tried to put in options of things we knew so some things that were a lot cheaper and then some things that may cost more but we know that they're both good it just depends on you know how much money you want to spend we want to give people that option so a lot of things could go in a survival category. We tried not to put so much in there that it's essentially camping gear. But we tried to cover some of the basic areas across the whole thing about those pillars of survival, which there's six pillars, but the ones that aren't part of the survival group like medical are in another section we have, which is medical. We also have there a few other sections you can check out, one of which has uh, some of its higher end stuff, but it's electronics, technology, communication. Some simple and more costly forms of communication for amateur radio, whether it's listening or broadcasting. Uh, the only two Geiger counters I'd recommend anybody buys, and I think they're worthwhile having if you're anywhere near a facility or a target. Uh, but they do cost money. There's also some RF sweepers. They're just electronic devices that look for different types of signals, including RF signals. They're used to look for bugs, but they can be used for other things. And you can read about those and see what else is in there. There's plenty of other products. I did do a section on clothing, certain clothing items that I recommend. I did this because when I would train people, especially doing tactical training and such, I'd be asked about the clothes I had or clothing recommendations. And I always focused on people's feet first because those who've been in the military and spend a lot of time on their feet know that that's money. That's where everything goes wrong. So there's a few basic clothing items in there I recommend that are some are cheap and some are not. But they're ones that I use and wear regularly that I know are durable and will last. And some of them are very useful. Um, do note that when it comes to things like sweatshirts and shirts and stuff, they come in more colors than just what they show. So those are worth checking out. There's also a section on everyday carry items. These are all items with the exception of one knife that I own and that I use for different reasons. Some are my legit everyday carry. Some are everyday carry based on the situation, whether it's travel or I'm camping, hiking, doing that kind of thing. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. Most of those are very, very cheap. There's the medical section, as I mentioned. There are a few books in there I recommend as basic starting point books, as well as a couple of common first aid kits that are real cheap that I use all the time. I've even given away as gifts. I keep one in my camping box. I keep them in each one of my vehicles. I have two or three in my house. If you were to buy those, Two listed there at two different prices, but the bigger one that's 300 pieces, just to let you know, if you have an Amazon account, I would save that. On holidays, it tends to get a lot cheaper. Nowadays, usually around $14 instead of $22. They were about 9 bucks on sale when I started buying them five years ago. If you are to buy that, my only recommendation about it is the first thing you do is you'll find that there are a plastic tweezer in there, and they are garbage. I think it's part of the reason why they're so cheap. I would toss those and then get any metal tweezer, and you'll be better off. There is a full-blown IPAC that needs about everything you got in there. If you need an IPAC, a litter, a couple of books on veterinary for animals, some basic trauma items, and uh, a few other things that you might like. There's also some items in there that deal with basic medical sanitation and cleaning. As far as cleaning your hands, which is what the HypoCleanse stuff is, the Terracel, which is about the best ointment you can get for any type of rash or 
cut better than even uh, Neosporin as well as the cavi wipes for cleaning surfaces. And then there's also, I got to see if I can find it here. I'm scrolling through. This cleaning aid called Benzerade. So these are all high-end medical grade stuff that's used for cleaning yourself or equipment, which I know is a big deal to people right now. I'm not advertising all the little stuff. If you got the money, you want to get that stuff, read up on it. You'll find out it's very good stuff, very good for cleaning yourself, cleaning surfaces, and very good for all those bad things out there that we don't want to get. The last sections in there is just podcasting. It's just the stuff that I currently use or have used in the past on YouTube podcasts or even prior to that before I was doing stuff publicly. Um, the only thing in there that's consistently pricey are usually the microphones. Even the uh, cheaper microphone I use is a little pricey for some people. I went to school and actually did a lot of this stuff in college, the first college I went to. That's why I buy some of the higher end stuff, but there's plenty of things in there that are cheaper. So I just put in the stuff that I currently use that I like and just have that in there. And then if you ever have any more questions on the kind of stuff, because I've been getting questions, let me know. I'll definitely throw it out in a podcast or add it to the store and point people in the direction of the stuff I use. You don't, of course, have to use what I use, but these are things I know and use and endorse and some of the survival stuff Luke uses and endorses. But there's plenty of other good stuff out there and it gives you a good starting point. On the off chance you started to hear any background noise, we had another monsoon storm kick in and it is dumping rain and windy. So I don't know if you can hear it or not, but if there's background noise, that's what it is. Now, to do a follow-up, one of the questions I get asked about were the pillars of survival, and somebody had a hard time finding it, so I just wanted to point out what those are. So the basic pillars of survival are food, water, and shelter, which are the three things most people think about. After that, you also have security, communication, and health. Everything but security, I put stuff to in that store. Food, water, and shelter are, are pretty simple. It's where you have the rule of threes. Um, you also have, which the rule of threes is like, this is general, of course, you can survive up to three minutes without air, three hours without shelter, three days without water, three weeks without food, give or take. And some people argue the shelter thing. That's about exposure. So serious exposure. Think of situations where you have no shelter, you may not have the right clothes, you're in the mountains, and then the snow comes in and dumps two feet. Hypothermia kicks in quick. Or hyperthermia when you get too hot can have the same results. That's part of the reason why you need shelter. Communication are all the forms of communication, whether it's signaling devices, radios, anything that you can use. And the security is more about the idea of what security is. It's more about using your knowledge. It's not as much about security features. It's just about implementing those features, practices, and your knowledge. Of course, security can cover things like security systems and cameras, of course. But it goes beyond that. Security is something you do. It's not performed by an object you own, not solely. Now, going back and looking at the episode on your digital footprint, we had a question come up from Woody on Twitter. Thank you, Woody. And uh, he wrote a lot here, which was really nice. He said, thanks again for putting out an awesome show. You are welcome, Woody. I'm glad that you like it. I heard the episode you did addressing my question and totally forgot to say thanks. Didn't expect you to do that. I figured you might bypass it thinking I had evil intentions. Thanks for responding. If anybody is curious about that was the question where he was talking about weapons where I said uh, I did the black white and gray market I believe is where I answered a question on that show and talking about um, buying weapons but not wanting to buy them illegally and things he could do to obtain them he went on and say didn't even know you had responded on Twitter I apologize for taking so long no problem 
Just listened to the episode on Digital Footprint, I had a few questions. First, I've heard ads for using VPNs to protect privacy. Do you know about them? Are they a viable option, worth it, advantage, drawbacks, and limits? So to answer that question, I will tell you that a VPN is a virtual private network. Now there's a lot of them out there. It's not unlike any other project, especially digital. There's tons and tons of them out there. I suppose many of them are sold under good intentions, but a lot of them don't work that well. Um, one of the problems, the, the one problem I think irritates people the most when you have a VPN you could run into is when you're using the VPN, you may find there's places on the internet you cannot get access to or it throws you a lot of warnings. Now there's reasons why, but the two biggest reasons I've heard because understand, I'm not a computer tech guy. I have some knowledge and understanding of this. I do use a VPN myself, which I'll get into in a minute. And I'm going to recommend a very specific one. But part of the reason is I am told by some computer people I know that the two main reasons are, one, the place you're trying to get to has such high security on their internet stuff or a setting that appears like high security that they want to track your information, even if it's for good reason in their mind, that if they can tell it's a VPN, it won't let you in. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, because I'm not sure the way VPNs are designed, if they can even tell. The other one is their security is so low, the VPN doesn't even want to let you in there because it could be a threat to your computer. Now, if either one of those are true, that says a lot about computer security for the things we get, antivirus, malware, all these things are supposed to tell us about web websites. So you'd have to talk to a computer expert to find that out, which I recommend you do if you're really interested. What a VPN does is when you get on the computer and you're not using a VPN, when you go out there, whether something's meant to track you or not, it's not hard with a little bit of knowledge to figure out where somebody is or maybe. And it's because it's, think of it as essentially your computer telling the internet where you're at. Here's where I am. Here's where all my data is coming from. What a VPN does is stops that from happening. And then anything that can see that type of information only sees it coming from the VPN. And then with the VPN, like Nord, N-O-R-D, that's the one I recommend. It's recommended by a lot of people in the computer industry, a lot of people that are big into that stuff. I first learned about it actually on YouTube from a lot of big YouTubers that were recommended to it. People that are making like millions a year, millions a month, the big guys, are all using Nord. And I learned that from other podcasters too. They're all using Nord. And they'd gone through other VPNs and had issues with people that were either hackers or because they're, you know, they're big, they're famous, they're targeted. And they found Nord to be the one. Up to the point that some of them actually got approached by Nord to come out and endorse them in order to get paid. And a couple of guys I saw, they'd already been using it for years. And that's the one I use. So here's what happens. And you can do this on Nord. When the VPN's on, and you go in there, what it does, and it shows you, is it'll start typically with, say, your state. So I'm in Arizona. It'll just place a dot on the map and show that it's saying, I'm in this other area of Arizona. And I can also have it pick other areas of my country, other states, or even other countries around the world. And then anybody that goes in there, that's where they think I am. So going back even farther into hiding yourself and what you do on the internet, again, supposing you want to go this far with it, let's say you want to start what I'd call a clean fresh start on social media, for example, we'll say Facebook. So you get an email account, one like ProtonMail, probably the most secure mail system out there, right? So let's start with that. So you get a ProtonMail account. You can read up all about ProtonMail and how they protect your information, how it's encrypted and how nobody's going to track you through ProtonMail. And you get one free account. 
It's like five bucks a month or something. You get another five accounts. Totally worth it if you want to get more into security. But we got this free Proton Mail account. Then we start our Facebook. And we don't use our real name, a variation of our name, anything like that. And then in there, in Facebook, you say, let's say you live in Idaho and you put in there, I live in Maryland. And you want to pick any state, but you want to pick a place that's got numbers. Don't pick small town USA. Pick a place that has hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. And if you want to put the time into it, whatever name you're using, find out where it's very common. Especially if there's several people in that area using John Smith. I wouldn't just use John Smith, but right. So then you put in there, you're from that. You're from Baltimore, Maryland, we'll say John Smith. Then on your VPN, you tell it to actually broadcast from Maryland, right? Then on top of that, even if you had your phone number on there, if you have a phone and so you get a new cell phone, get a cell phone with an area code to Baltimore. It seems simple, but the thing is most of the people are trying to feed people on the internet, even like private investigators, which granted enough time and energy, private investigators, bounty hunters, skip tracers could do this. But for the majority of people, that's where they're going to think you are. So I have accounts like that, ones that I've had for years that I go on every once in a while or I turn off and on public viewing. I go on, follow different groups. I've set up entire profiles where I think one of them, I'm into all kinds of arts and crafts and baking cookies or something weird. Something like that. I haven't been on that one in a while, but you can do that and then use that account for whatever you want. But you can do all that same thing on any other social media account, any other, any other place, any other thing you want to do is one way to take that a little farther. So yes, I do recommend a VPN. Just remember, you're going to see it, especially with Nord. Get on there and practice with it. You're going to find there's places you have a hard time getting to that you might want to end up shutting that off to get access to it. Nord does come on mobile devices. There are other things that are just for mobile devices that work really well. Like there's one on iPhones, I think it's also on Android, it's called Guardian, that if you pay for it, I mean, it'll show you how many times people are trying to get your information that it blocks. And it can be dozens or hundreds of times a day. And you can actually chase those down, search them on the internet, and find out that, in fact, those are legit. And then that makes you like that system even more. So I'd look at something like Guardian or something similar like that on a mobile device. And then Nord works on mobile as well as computers. I would definitely check that out, too. They're free. There are paid versions. But the free one is usually good enough for the average everyday person. Now, going a little further here. We got Woody again. Second part, second question. You recommend not using Google in many cases because they track everything, which he capitalized. And that's important that he did because that's true. They track everything. And mentioned that you also use alternate search engines, but you didn't mention any. I thought about that after I did the show, but I couldn't go back and fix it. Could you recommend other resources to use in lieu of Google? Oh, I'm absolutely going to do that. He then says, thanks again for producing the show. I love learning. Don't consider myself a gray man, but I'm adding tools to my toolbox. You know, I don't even think I'm a gray man anymore. I mean, I do more than the average person, but I definitely don't totally live a life. I've considered doing a show on that, like what it does to you. So that's another show possibility in the future. But I'm going to go over three search engines. So you can't really get around having something like Safari, Chrome, Internet Explorer or Firefox is your big main things to get on the internet. But that doesn't mean you have to use Google or whatever they recommend as your search engine to search the internet. Most of those don't have the security you think. And even if they do have the security, 
they still track you. Tracking you may not be tracking where you're at, but they track your searches, what you're doing, develop patterns, look at your shopping history, even things like on Amazon. So that when you go to these other websites and they have Amazon built into it to make money and it shows something that is or is related to something you looked at recently, that's part of that system. And it works very well for advertising and influencing people. You can read studies. I should have looked up an article. I was going to share it with you guys a long time ago. It's out there, but Take these shopper cards, you go to the grocery store and you get the card, you know, and if you have the card, it only costs this much. And then, hey, you saved $35. Those things are so accurate that it's been used many times, more, more than the last 10 years, where they take the extrapolated data of people that are using those shopper cards and they can predict things like your voting patterns and voting habits, your religious beliefs. They can predict what you probably will buy when something's out of stock or by season or groups of people and they can even track and kind of uh, forecast those trends in your area, even as large as your whole state. And it's considered very accurate and been proven many times over. So that's why people use this stuff on the internet. So a lot of it is to develop their business and advertise, but I get why we don't like it. I don't like it either, but I'm going to share with you three search engines and I've used all three. And I'll tell you up front, when it comes down to it, you can read about them all you want. You can look into the security, pick what's best for you. But when it comes down to it, it's going to be like anything. Try all three out. You're going to find you probably prefer one over the other two just because of how it looks, how it works for you and the way things pop up, which is completely fine. None of these track you. They're all advertising as the most secure search engines. But these are the three best ones that I know of. Now, the first one actually advertises to work with Chrome. It advertises by saying you can add it as a, like a button or an option to Chrome. Um, and they all may do this, but that's DuckDuckGo. It's probably the most well-known one that doesn't track you. And a lot of people use it. It's just a simple search engine like anything else. Got the little bar to search, shows the DuckDuckGo symbol, whatever. The next one is actually made by IBM. And this is also a very good one. It's probably the least known. It's security it puts on here, and I have looked into this. They recommend this one for Firefox users as the security systems tend to match up the most. Not that it's bad to use any of the other two, but that's just what they recommend. It's called Yippy, Y-E-P-P-Y. Same thing. Very secure. The third one is called startpage.com. Startpage.com has been around, I think, longer than the other two. I've seen Startpage, at least before I knew DuckDuckGo existed. But I know Startpage has been around for many years, as well as DuckDuckGo, and Yippie's probably been around as long, too. But those are the three ones. So DuckDuckGo, as in one word, Yippie, Y-A-P-P-Y, and Startpage, one word, which you can put in as startpage.com. Um, Yippie's also a .com, and so is DuckDuckGo, or you can just search those wherever you want. Now, here's what you'll find. When you use those, try them and explore Safari, Chrome, Firefox, whatever. Before you use them, go in there and look. You'll see you have your history on, say, Google or whatever previous engine you're using. It'll show all the stuff you're doing, and you can just go in and randomly search things. It'll pop up in your history. The second you start using one of these, go through a few things. Go over to that history. It should be gone. The history will be there, but it shouldn't show any of those new entries. If by some chance you use one of these and it shows a new entry in history and not for like DuckDuckGo's history, like Chrome search history, Internet Explorer's search history, then that's not the one you want, but that shouldn't happen. 
but you still have two other options. Then from that point, if let's say you're using Internet Explorer and you say you should use Start Page, go back to Internet Explorer, clear out that cache and all that stuff. Once you've, you know, search form on, say, Start Page, if you want to save them, clear that out and then that's gone. And then also free up some of the resources to make that program work better. Now you still have other things you run into, like saving the pages and how you save them. So some of that's still going to be tracked. So if you're using Chrome and you say pin certain icons for certain web pages and you're using DuckDuckGo to search, the second you go click on that pin mark, that's going to be tracked. So you need to understand that. Depends on how far you want to follow. But the thing is, if you're not worried about going to, say, Facebook and YouTube and being tracked on that all the time, it's not a big deal. You know, if all your regular stuff you don't want to be tracked, that's what you want to do on your start page or Yippee or your DuckDuckGo. Most of the stuff that's going to come after you is going to be advertising. And it's not bad necessarily to have some of that stuff tracked. It's very normal for people to be on social media. So you just got to kind of figure it out yourself. Find that happy balance. A note to add, too, is while recording this, I paused. I went in and updated my show notes that are on every episode. I believe you can see those on all the platforms. So if you scroll through the show notes, after you go through the first few links, right below the YouTube link, I've added in a link to send me an email if you want to send me an email with a question to make it a little easier. For those of you that don't want to go to or don't use social media platforms, that is on there. Now, of course, I've, like you, seen many things on China. I've done some espionage in the news and hit on China a lot lately, and I've been asked more about it. So I thought I would address that as why I'm not doing it, because I could actually do that every day. So to start, if you are interested in China, espionage, and the things they've been doing around the world, and that's something you're interested in, it's in my store. But of course, as I said, the store is not open. There's a book for 15 bucks you can buy on Amazon. It's called The 100-Year Marathon. Just look for that. And after that, it says China's secret strategy to place the Americas, the global superpowers written in 2015. It's got a lot of good information out there. A lot of the reasons why I don't go too much into China, unless I think it's going to pertain to the show, is that's not anything new or special. It's a big deal, but I don't think of it as new or special. Their big push started in the 90s, and then they really kind of stabilized everything they're doing and made it a consistent development instead of growth in about the last eight years. So there's a lot of good info there. It's a good book. Granted, their people are always going to be limited to the information they have access to and their hypothesis on it, but a lot of stuff's very good. And I think you'll like it if that's something you want to know more about. Just understand that they're not the only country doing stuff like that. They're just the big one on the playing field right now. Another book I want to point out is by George Freeman. He's the guy who sold Strat 4, even though they just recently sold Strat 4. I believe I mentioned this a long time ago, but in the world of intelligence around the world or even in the United States, intelligence estimates that are considered reliable and successful actually average out to about 30% accuracy. That's considered very good, and it's because it's a developing process and there's always changes. Historically, most of the stuff George Freeman did was considered as much as 70% accurate, and he wrote a book about 2008, roughly, called The Last Decade. I put that in the store too. Now that decade was from 2010 to 2020. Here's the thing. When I first read it in 2013, it kind of shocked me when I realized all the research he had done and he had published this couple of years before the decade started. And I reread that book every year and it's completely marked up and highlighted with all kinds of stuff. It's just interesting to see, especially at this point, if you were to read that book and even if you had to look some stuff up to see how accurate a lot of that stuff is and how it developed. 
that he was able to forecast with his team of people. It's part of the reason why I subscribe to Strat4. They have a lot of good information and short podcasts and daily updates. It's just a website you have to pay a lot of money to to be an annual subscriber. But if you're that kind of person, you want to get into that stuff, you got the money to spend, and you want to get little bits of information and see a lot of historical stuff, it's definitely a subscription worth getting. I don't recall how much it is, but I think it's at least $70 for a year. It might be more now. So that's something to look into if you're interested in getting some real developed intel from a private intelligence organization that has a strong track record of accuracy. And they do a lot of good podcast briefings that are usually only five to 10 minutes long on current affairs and current events. One last book I'll mention, because I could go on books all day, is there's a book written by a Navy SEAL called 100 Deadly, Deadly Skills. He's got two or three of those now. It's the yellow one. 100 Deadly Skills is the first one. There is some stuff in there that would be classified or called tradecraft. First read the book, I didn't realize the type of training that he had had, or at least in the SEAL teams. He might have been a dev group guy too. I'm not sure on that, which would explain some of the things he knows. A lot of this is stuff he would have picked up along the way, but there's a lot of good stuff in there. Some of it I've talked about, at least on YouTube, but it's a very good book. It's some real basic things you can do, and it's not all deadly skills, but they're very useful skills that most anybody can do. So I would definitely check that out. It's a relatively cheap book, I believe. Let me see. It's listed right now at $15. I think when I picked it up, it was around $9. So if you go through here or you find stuff, or let's say you find a bunch of stuff on my storefront you want to buy, Open it up, save it to your shopping list, and then check it every so often. And what I do is there's a notes section on your shopping list. Say a book's $35. Let's say it just goes down to $32, and you don't know for how long. If you're not ready to buy it, put in the notes sections the date and the dollar amount. And the reason I put the date is I track the dates because I have some stuff I've bought a couple years after the fact when I realize the dates coincide with holiday seasons. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes you see things go on sale regularly, like every two weeks. Sometimes you see things never go on sale, but if you're looking at spending a little money, but you want to save a few bucks, I definitely go that route when you're using Amazon. I do want to say thank you to everybody. I got uh, feedback on that like the escape and evasion podcast. A lot of people want more information or kind of suggesting more information on how to know when to leave. If you're going to bug out, let's say using that principle, there's a lot of ways to look at it. One of the simpler ways is to say when you're at the point of saying, Pretty much anywhere else is probably going to be better or might be better. You're definitely, you're definitely there if you haven't done it already. That's another simple way to look at it. Another thing too is I didn't get into it too much. I always talked about the lighter stuff. A lot of times when you see people talk about escape and evasion, going on the run, especially when they're on the ground with a backpack or especially bug outs, three-day packs, get home bags, all these things. When they're doing the bug out, they have some pretty large packs with a lot of stuff in there. Not saying that's wrong. Going the escape and evasion route, going the route of what a gray man would do, it's typically a temporary thing. It's not an end of the world event or something that's going to be long term. Because even if they have to leave an operational environment and go on the run, let's say, and bug out or evade, they will eventually get back to society, to their agency, to their handlers, and then go work an assignment somewhere else or whatever they end up doing. So it's not something that's necessarily going to be long term. So they don't carry as much stuff as some of these other guys advertise because of the situation and circumstance surrounding it. It's the principle of the lighter you are, the faster you can move. And there's plenty of articles out there. So you may see some contrast, I'll say, not conflict, between anybody in the intel world who has had any of this training or special operations world has had this training and done things that are related to SEER or 
clandestine intelligence or covert operations is different than people that talk about the bug out concept because the bug out concept tends to be around the big catastrophic end of the world events. One thing a lot of people ask for on shows like this or YouTube, and I didn't think I would do it, but I'm actually going to do it and I'll explain why is at least on anchor. I know the link comes to other shows, but on anchor, there's actually a donation section and I've, put the link in the show notes if you wanted to donate to the show. And I feel bad about asking money for people, but while the show grows, it's still relatively small compared to, you know, real big podcasters and YouTubers. So if you were to donate money, what I will say for now is that if anybody does donate to the show, what I'll do with that is purchase items that aren't books, probably things off my shopping list that I've shared or other items that I think would be worthwhile and use them in a giveaway, and I'll make them simpler, easier giveaways. So it just depends, and I'll let people know that, you know, I, I got the money and how much I got and what I'm going to do with it, and then I will use it. I'll advertise it in a podcast as well as put it on Facebook and Twitter that I'm doing a giveaway and what I'm going to give away and that it was purchased from donations, 100% of the donations given to the show. And by that, maybe we can grow the show and get more listeners and then we'll get more questions and we can ask questions and follow up questions that I don't always think of and do the shows in a better order based on what listeners want to hear instead of what I think of day to day or week to week. I do want to mention as I have it in the last few times, I try to do it every few shows, definitely check out the show notes, go to the end, look at the last few leaks for DMR publications, the Facebook for David Robertson and the uh, DMR Publications website where there's a lot of good articles on a lot of subjects like health, leadership, security, and several others. And also there is his podcast, The Disagreeable Thoughts and Philosophies of DMR Publications. If you're hearing my podcast, wherever you're hearing it on, I'm positive his podcast is there too because he also uses Anchor as the primary source. And he's got an article coming up soon on Thomas Paine that he's been working on for a few weeks that he's really proud of and excited to get out talking about Thomas Paine that I'm waiting to read that I hope comes out this week, but definitely go to dmrpublications.com. Look for that Thomas Paine article or go to his Facebook page. Cause I'll put a link in there. If you're on Facebook and like using it, definitely go to the David Robertson page. It's not DMR publications. You look up David M Robertson. It'll be a picture of him in a black polo. And there's two David Robertson's. The black polo is his page for his DMR publications and the one that looks kind of like a cartoonish version of him is his personal profile. So you don't want that one. You want the professional-looking one. That's where you can find about Grass Fire Industries, leadership, um, all these other things. He makes several posts a day, usually on current events, and he puts them up there for engagement. He's looking for engagement from people to comment on them and to address. So definitely go check that out. Check out his podcast. His last podcast was a really good one I think you enjoy, and you definitely can catch up on those. One of the things that's been pointed out, and I wish I would have saved the comment to read to you, was how on some subjects like escape and evasion, the bug out, everyday carry, a lot of these things that are outside the realm of like the body language stuff is how I take a different point of view than a lot of the average people. And it's there's other things I've had to do or realize about it or the training that I've had. Nothing against the majority of people that talk about this out there on YouTube or podcasts, wherever. Most of them have no real world training or experience where it's very, very limited. Many of them have really good stuff and information out there that's just the same as the other guy. Nothing wrong with that. 
Some of them, I think, just recreate what other people do. I've seen a lot with people that do weapons training videos and shows like that. I'm sure people do it in all kinds of industries. They're out there on podcasts and video podcasts and shows like YouTube. But some of it comes from the real world experience. So there's plenty of guys out there with real world experience that will share their experience or bring a different point of view, something somebody hasn't thought of. Whereas other people can't do that because they've never really put it into practice. So a lot of things that will point out like an everyday carrier escape and evasion, it's like, look, I've done some of these things or had to do them or had really good training for it and luckily didn't have to do it that other people don't get. And so that's where some of that stuff comes from. Real world experience or a lot better training. So not saying you shouldn't listen to other people. Definitely you should fill your toolbox up with as much information you can so you have options to choose from. Just realize that there's always more. There's always somebody that has a different take on it. Doesn't mean it's going to be me. So when you're finding consistency out there, there's probably something to listen to. In most cases, maybe not all of them. And then sometimes you're going to find somebody who's got a different point of view or a different thought or idea nobody else has thought of. And take note of that. Maybe that person has more ideas like that on other shows that they do, but maybe there's just something about that item that is good for you, more specific and helps you. So definitely look for that kind of stuff out there. I am trying to do themes. Uh, I started with a Saturday theme called The Illusion of Security, where I put up different things about security. I've been doing that for about a month. I think I have that scheduled running through Labor Day. I'm going to try to keep that up. Try to pick one or two more items that I can have a weekly post on that's consistent on a certain topic. Is just something I'm trying to add for consistency and make it a little easier on me and easier for you so you have something to look forward to. One of the things I mentioned too about the future of the show and the training facility, this is talks I'm in now. There's a lot to do with it because I've already been planning on moving. But, uh, over the years, I've mentioned having a different type of training facility or school, and I've had a lot of different people that were interested. We just weren't able to do it. And I have somebody now that is willing to move with me and open up a training facility. We're looking at locations. Um, we're kind of settled on a certain area of the country, although I still look in a couple others. And if we're able to find the right type of property, our goal is to down go down there and start up a training school. And how much we can do with it as far as the construction, building things and having things in place to assist with learning um, will depend on money. But we can do a lot of the training with very minimal supplies and facilities. If we do that, we will be doing some gray man stuff. We will also do a lot of things involving hunter safety, everything the NRA courses teach, a lot of different weapons training. This guy is career law enforcement and paramedic, a lot of different medical training, a lot of law enforcement stuff that I think the everyday person would help with, understanding laws, use of force, de-escalation, how to restrain people if you needed to do it. There'll be military tactical training. One of the things I've been working on and wanting to do for years that different properties I'm looking at and I'm always kind of noting out plans is to have a full-blown map reading and land navigation course to hopefully have it close to the size of a, a decent land navigation course like the one at Ranger School and then being able to scale it down to smaller, simpler stuff even for kids when we're able to do it. We're hoping to find a place with a stream, a river, or with ponds that have fish so that we can do stuff like that at fishing. The places we're looking at also have plenty of wildlife so being able to hunt would be great or have people out to hunt. We have a lot of ideas and plans. The upside compared to most people to do this is we have all the training ready to go. 95% of it, I think, 90% of it we've already developed and have done over years. Some of it will integrate into joint classes. Most of the stuff is completely written up, ready to go. It's having the location and the facility to do it. 
And that's kind of our plan. Our goal, too, is to charge more realistic prices compared to people doing similar things. It just depends on what it is. I don't say that people charge too much. I do believe a lot of people do when it comes to weapons training. However, there's a lot of people that do survival-type stuff, which we would also do survival and bushcrafting, where I think the prices are fair for what they offer. We just want to make some things available to people that don't have as much money or to groups of people or kids, preppers, churches, whatever. Our goal is to teach people knowledge and to have enough income to pay our expenses and grow it, not necessarily become like millionaires. Uh, That's kind of the long-term goal. Theoretically, if we got a place in the spring, we could be up and running by this time next year, which I'll still be doing this show and I'll be letting people know. We definitely want to do a soft opening when we have one where we have people in that we know. We're hoping to to get it to the point where we have some sort of annual event that we can have people out to, even if it's just people we know. The idea is to start up also our own podcast and or YouTube channel where we can do our own videos showing what we're doing, incorporate videos from some of the training, use those videos to put on our website that we'll have to show the kinds of things you're going to learn. So we want to give people visuals to say, here are regular people, what they're learning, how they're doing it, you know, and showing them kind of what they learn in one, two, three, four days. Uh, That's kind of our long-term goal. If we're able to get the money, we have bigger plans, even full-scale shooting ranges, the right size property. We'd love to have a long distance range, at least to a thousand meters. Unknown if we can do that because that takes a lot of money, construction equipment and time. But these are kind of our goals. And it's mentioning now because we're getting to the point of where this could be reality. So that's our plan. That's what we're looking into. And we'll definitely keep you updated and let you know. And to those people that are listening that I know that I have trained before, that's already been put in the plan about definitely discounted or free pricing, especially for people that have to travel that we know or I've trained before to come out and get some more of that. Definitely be good to use as a test group. I'd love to get some of these guys out from Arizona that I spent years training and just being like, hey, come out here. Everything's taken care of. We want to run you through this stuff. You can check it out and tell us what you think and use them as a test group. That would be great to be able to do that. So that's kind of our goal. If you have questions or ideas about that, definitely shoot it our way. And uh, we'll take a look at that. And then as we develop that plan to see where we go, we'll definitely keep you informed. Last couple things I want to point out is to go to Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Two things I want to point out. One was August 13th, an article called Escape Invasion 101 by the Integrated Skills Group. It's a decent website, but this was... The only really good, solid article on escape and evasion I read that I think would interest you if that's a subject you're into. The other one I want to point out is a video. It's an older video by the SAS that was put out on the 14th called SAS Survival Secrets Interrogation Resistance. And I would definitely watch that a few times for those of you that are really interested in the interrogation. Try to place the idea of how the approaches are working, how the questioning is working. I would stick just with that verbal aspect, kind of ignoring the body language listen to the comments they're making about it while they're actually having the interaction and it gives you an idea of what an interrogation can look like. You want to go into it with that aspect or just for pure entertainment value. But for most people, if you don't go in and looking to learn or realizing what to look for, it actually can come across boring. Cause as I've said before, interrogations in general are boring. There's something you're going to have to want to do and be really interested in. That's why a lot of people who get in that world, especially in the military, get out of it very quickly because it's not as exciting as it sounds. That being said, as you listen to podcasts or you come on the show or if you got follow-up questions, some older podcasts, doesn't matter how old it is, 
just send it to me and I will do my best to answer it. And if it's a series of questions or a really solid question requires a full show, I'm definitely going to put you on the list and send you one of these books to pick from. I got five left. Once I mail this sixth one out, once uh, you send me your address there, because you haven't sent it to me yet, I'll shoot you an email. Thank you for listening. I hope the show and is something that you enjoyed. And we will be here for you again soon, right here on Grayman, Hiding in Plain Sight.